You are listening to the Women of Wonder podcast, where we want to see sisters soar. We hope that you are inspired by this message. It's kind of a tongue twister that Elizabeth um, has emphatic faith, and she's empathetic, which that causes her to be empathetic over being embarrassed. So it's a bit of a tongue twister. So I said to myself, I said, I've got some serious explaining to do. She is described in Luke as righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. That's Luke 1.6. So Elizabeth was an emphatic believer and obeyer. A famous Bible scholar, um, Harry Ironside, says this. He says, that's not to say that she's sinless. No one is sinless. But blameless refers to her motives. Her motives were right. She was seeking to obey God, to walk with God, and that has, in a sense, God's approval. So let's meet Elizabeth um, or reconnect with her to, to come and appreciate the circumstances of her life as an example to inspire us today. And her name means um, my God is an oath. And you can see the L, like Elohim, right? L. Um, and then um, Shava, or the other end of her name, meaning oath. So her name is my God is an oath. My God is a promise. Um, Liz is a Levite, and so is her husband, Zachariah. She's the cousin of Mary. And it's interesting, since Jesus comes from that same family, that his human genes were from the tribe of Levi. And the tribe of Levi was assigned by God to be priests. So that makes Jesus a Levite through his earthly ancestry. And in the book of Hebrews, we have that description of Jesus as our high priest, Hebrews 5, 5, and 6. And then Jesus also continues to fulfill all the prophecy written about him. And I just have this other prophecy in Micah 5, 2. The Lord says, Bethlehem, Epaphrata, you might not be an important town in the nation of Judah, but out of you will come for me a ruler over Israel. His family line goes back to the early years of, our, of your nation. It goes all the way back to days long ago. So we see Jesus's connection to, to, the, to uh, his human family. So Luke writes to us about uh, Elizabeth, and this is the only place we have any writing about her. The Luke, uh, Luke uh, opens his version of Jesus's biography, and he quotes, and I'll quote Luke 1 verse 3. Luke writes to, uh, to set out an ordered account of the events of Jesus's life based on eyewitnesses. Uh, Luke wants to get things straight for Theophilus. So he says that too. He says he's writing to Theophilus. Luke is Theo's spiritual mentor and teacher. And according to InterVarsity Press's Women's Bible Commentary, and I like this assessment, it says, no book of the Bible is more dependent on the witnesses of women or more concerned with their welfare than the book of Luke. Some scholars suggest that Jesus' earthly mother, Mary, may have been one of those firsthand resources that Luke references. Apparently, others had tried to detail the specific accounts and developments throughout Jesus' life. But Luke must have felt an urgent need to recount and document Jesus' life based on those actual eyewitness testimonies. For Luke, those major participants were women whom he heard from, and could I even suggest interviewed? so that the biography of our Lord Jesus provides his own best perspective to support the teachings that he was presenting to Theophilus. 
Luke honors those women and their roles in the plan of salvation, birth, crucifixion, burial, and resurrection. Just think of it. Women were featured in each of these redemptive events. Um, so let's go back to our Shiro, uh, Elizabeth. Um, so for context, in Israel's history, uh, we're reminded that there was a long uh, period of silence, a long interval of silence. 400 years passed between the Hebrew Bible and the time when the heavenly silence was broken. And there's, this is sort of a picture of when that heavenly silence was broken. The first angelic announcement came to Elizabeth's husband, Zechariah, while he was on the job as high priest of Israel. The Bible says, as Zechariah was praying and the people were lifting up their hands to God, suddenly the silence of four centuries was broken. Zach was performing his duties as Israel's priest when suddenly an enormous angel showed up in the holy place. At that time, no, there was no other living Israelite who had seen an actual angel. So uh, Gabriel shows up and makes an appearance to Zach with a holy news announcement. Angel Gabriel's last appearance had been in Daniel. So let's fast forward a thousand years. Here he shows up again. Gabriel returns to earth to Zechariah with some fantastic news, which includes Elizabeth, a woman. It's intimate and it's personal. Elizabeth will have a baby, make no mistake. Her pregnancy, a very female event, is the topic of this angelic announcement. Imagine it, and let's be sure to use our sanctified imaginations today. Heaven visits earth with this prophetic announcement. An angel is actually discussing a miraculous birth. The, the angel's talking about Elizabeth's female anatomy, a womb which will contain and sustain a child who will arrive before the birth of the Messiah. Gabriel shares the details of these blessed births. Zach has a hard time accepting it. Let's be real. He's old and she's old. And as a couple, they were way past their Amazon prime. I mean, past their prime. Biologically, they were embarrassingly too old for pregnancy and parenting. So let's consider Elizabeth. She is our female focus and our model. The author of Luke writes her reference in Luke 1 verses 5 through 7. She was a godly woman, charitable, kind and good. She knew the laws of the Lord and followed them, but she was childless and the term barren is assigned to her along with its social stigma. So I'm just gonna read quickly from Luke verses one, five through seven. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both advanced in years. So that word um, barren, um, I'm just gonna tell you from contemporary definition. And it's unfortunate, it's really a sad way to think of a person. It's an adjective that describes land that's too poor to produce any vegetation. Or as a noun, it just describes land that's useless, a useless tract of land. So the implications for a barren woman in the first century were devastating and shameful. The shame became because of a woman's agency. Her social status and reputation came exclusively through her ability to bear children. Producing a family was considered to be a reward or confirmation for right living. So this childless situation presented a huge contradiction, 
associated with Elizabeth and Zachariah. They had lived righteously, except they had no children to affirm their lives. This paradox left their community always wondering about their righteousness and diminished their value to their community. Were they really righteous? Thought the, the, the neighbors asked. God hadn't blessed them with the benefit of a family. So were they really living right? Although Elizabeth was well known for being good, ironically, she was referred to as barren or unproductive. What an awful judgment and a negative evaluation. In reality, we have no way to know if it were her infertility or if it was Zachariah, but she was stigmatized. At her age, this description of barrenness would never go away. Just imagine it. Tragically, it was like being good for nothing, right? Being good and not getting a reward. It was an embarrassment. Anyway, Elizabeth remained faithful. She was emphatic in her faith and true to God who is good no matter what. And in spite of her circumstances, she was em emphatic in her faith. Her society judged her and all women just by their households. Their value was based on their ability to re reproduce and manage a family. Gratefully, we know today that God doesn't evaluate us that way. Elizabeth's life held infinite value to God who was sending his only son to be born, to die and live and again to redeem us, to live again and redeem us. She and we are valuable to God. God is the ultimate evaluator and we are priceless. Society segregates and marginalizes people based on race, gender, faith or no faith, education and economics, but not God. And God was about to prove his love through the life of Elizabeth. So now back to Elizabeth and this birth, this conception announcement. The angel Gabe said Elizabeth would have a child. The baby would occupy her womb and he would be named John, meaning the grace of God. John would be filled with the Holy Spirit. Wow, right away, right from birth. What a blessing. This was her, this was her most wonderful news ever. Elizabeth's son will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's set aside for a special purpose as a Nazarite who would then forecast the arrival of the savior of the world. So Elizabeth and John must have prayed for a baby. Isn't it ironic that when God answers our prayer, we're sometimes surprised, even doubtful. Zachariah didn't believe the announcement, even though it was delivered by the angel Gabriel. And whenever angels appear, they must reassure their human observers. So guess what? They're not little fat cherubs or Victoria's Secret models. Actually, they're huge, asexual, bright and frightening supernatural beings. Maybe it was hard to believe the announcement, but Zach should have considered the source. An angel's appearance was proof enough to simply believe. Spoiler alert, Gabe told Zachariah that Elizabeth was carrying a son to be named John, there was no need to wait for a gender reveal party or a naming ceremony as Jews celebrate today. This tiny unborn baby would have an amazing a mission to accomplish in his lifetime. This was an honor for the saint, senior saintly couple and a vindication for their lives of goodness and a reward. So in Isaiah 40 verse three, we have this one about John. The Bible says that um, a voice of one crying in the wilderness. This, this, was the, this, this was the foretelling of John's arrival. Zachariah that day completed his ministry, but he couldn't speak 
because of his disbelief. While his son would become the voice of one crying in the wilderness, his own father was unable to speak until after John was born. John would complete this prophecy of Isaiah 40 verse three. Uh, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. So at that point, Zechariah couldn't speak and Elizabeth had to be his spokesperson. Imagine, Elizabeth, uh, Zach was silent and his wife, the speaker. So we have Elizabeth conceived and I'm not sure of the timing of this blessed event. Zachariah arrived home two weeks after his ministry assignment and then they got busy. Maybe they did their best to accommodate the announcement. The chronological description seems to imply that they would become parents only after Zach came home from his work in the temple and they got together. The Bible's not boring. They must have had a good time with this. Elizabeth, like Eve, heard secondhand the information from God. But Elizabeth was so emphatic in her trust of God's goodness that she simply believed like a trusting child. And she didn't laugh like Sarai. She simply believed. Personally, if my embarrassment was gone, I might have told everyone and posted on social media. But our Elizabeth, the Bible says, simply believed and humbly went about her daily life, walking with God. And she kept herself to herself, it says. She was hidden. She credited God for removing her shame. In verse 25 of Luke 1, Elizabeth says, the Lord has done for me in the, in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. Elizabeth did conceive and kept her pregnancy a secret for five months. I guess you can hide a lot in her style of clothing, but just imagine it, finally pregnant. The female reason for being was happening for her. She was overjoyed and grateful to God. Elizabeth was more believing than even her husband. She said, the Lord has done this for me. And she knew it was a miracle. She wasn't embarrassed, but overjoyed and believing in God, her savior. She was a willing participant in salvation's plan. And Elizabeth, our Shiro, was glad to be useful and blessed. At that point, Gabriel has more business on earth. He was busy those days. And as an earth angel had visited Mary to announce her pregnancy too, but not married, she was in a dangerous situation. Mary was also believing, but that left her vulnerable. She could have been facing capital punishment stones thrown at her as an unwed mother by her whole community. For Mary, the penalty was a real cause for concern. The angel Gabriel reassured this teenager by telling her that her own cousin was expecting to and that she was six months along. Um, Liz's pregnancy was another miracle and it, wouldn't be an, and it would be an encouragement, an affirmation and assurance from Mary of God's miracle and protection. So these concurring corresponding pregnancies were both miracles in their own right. Gabriel said to Mary, know this too, that your relative cousin Elizabeth has in her old age herself conceived a son and she whom people have called barren is now in her sixth month for nothing is impossible to God. And Mary said of herself, I am God's minister or servant let it be. So she's willing in this, in this situation. So they're reassured. Mary felt better that her cousin Elizabeth would uh, be understanding. 
Liz had been keeping her pregnancy on the down low. So with a strong suggestion from the angel Gabriel, Mary was on her way to visit Elizabeth. And Mary knew how godly Elizabeth was and how um, empathetic she would be. Mary knew that she would not experience any retaliation or judgment or punishment, even though Elizabeth's husband was a priest and they both had a reputation for being godly and good upstanding Jews. But because they were so good, they were authentic and they didn't judge her. Mary went right away for a visit with cousin Elizabeth because she believed in the angel's announcement and maybe wanted some encouragement and support. Mary went to visit Liz believing, not suspiciously, not suspiciously checking out the prophecy. So cousin Liz was the ultimate listening girlfriend. Their pregnancies had implications to their family's honor and their social reputation. Both could have been considered an embarrassment, but who else would have been as empathetic to a vulnerable, unmarried, pregnant young girl as cousin Liz? Elizabeth, our senior saint, had a similar godly and good reputation as Mary, although Mary was a teenager, and Gabriel called her, Gabriel called her highly favored. Elizabeth was reported to be righteous, the wife of the honorable priest. Welcoming this questionable relative would have been, could have been scandalous, even dangerous. The punishment for the crime of becoming an unwed mother was death and Mary was in danger. But Elizabeth emphatically believed in God's goodness and the announcement by the angel Gabriel. So she welcomed her unwed pregnant teenage cousin with empathy and great joy. Again, let's consider Elizabeth, cousin of Mary, and imagine her as auntie to Jesus and the mother of John. So as they greeted one another, we know that there was blessings and joy. Again, use your sanctified imagination to picture the scene. After hurrying to get there, even though it was a long trip for Mary and she might've been experiencing morning sickness, Mary greets Elizabeth and there's a significant prenatal reaction. The baby John was already jumping for joy and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In true charismatic Pentecostal style, she used a loud voice to make a prophetic announcement. Blessed are you above all other women and blessed is the baby inside you. I'm overwhelmed that you, the mother of my Lord and savior has come to visit me. Wow, when I heard you greet me, the baby inside of me actually jumped for joy. And more blessed is she who believes without fear or doubt that the Lord would keep his word, his very promise that he has spoken. And that's Luke 1 verses 42 to 44. And next Mary sings. Mary drops her own song. She drops the Magnificat. The lyrics are full of humility and joy, blessing, mercy, and awe of our God. Then Luke writes that Mary stayed with her cousin Liz for three more months and then returned home to Nazareth in verse 56. Did she stay long enough to assist Elizabeth with the delivery of John? We don't know. And I'm not sure of the timing on this, but I'd like to imagine it. In verse 57, the word says uh, that Elizabeth gave birth and true to form, true to fulfillment, she had a son. Maybe other family members attended the birth and helped Elizabeth after the baby was uh, after the baby John arrived. We're just not sure. So, of course, the nosy neighbors and curious relatives got the news that finally the Lord was merciful to Elizabeth, removing her embarrassment 
uh, with this best of all vindication. And they celebrated with her. Zachariah was still speechless. And on the eighth day, the circumcision, which is the promised cutting ceremony, was scheduled to take place. All the noisy and curious ones wanted to call this new baby boy Zachariah like his dad. But Elizabeth spoke up. Imagine a woman speaking up. She spoke up and reacted to their presumption. To their presumption. Zachariah had previously given Liz the announcement from Angel Gabriel, and she was going to make sure that the words of the angel were honored. She said, uh, she said no, his name is John. Now the, the, those neighbors reacted. There's no one in your family with that name. Why would you name him John? They went to Zachariah to straighten out this naming mix-up. And in verse 60, uh, 63, Zachariah had to write down his answer. Our baby's name is John. And in verse 64, all of a sudden, Zechariah was able to speak again. And of course, he spoke out blessings to God in verse 65. Another miracle, besides this beautiful baby being born to this senior couple, Zechariah, who couldn't speak, all of a sudden could. So these nosy neighbors and curious relatives were filled with fear and awe. They had witnessed two miraculous events. The news went all over social media. I mean, all over the hill country of Judea and everyone who heard about this miraculous birth of John and of Zachariah's recovered speech uh, were astonished. And they asked, they, they were surprised. They just knew something was special about this baby. What's going to happen to this child? Who will he grow up to be? Because we know the hand of the Lord is with him. This is too special not to be noticed. So now, just think of it. Two women who were sharing the same experience at the same time. They needed each other to discuss their emotions and physical concerns, even their spiritual condition. What a relief. Everything that Angel Gabriel had said was true. The very one that the Jewish people were waiting for was on his way with special circumstances and miracles included. Here's Elizabeth whose emphatic faith caused her to be completely empathetic beyond being embarrassed. She herself was in an awkward condition, an older godly woman, uh, finally and obviously pregnant and a new mother. But she was an empathetic listener, completely understanding of Mary's situation simply because she herself was finally experiencing the same blessed condition of pregnancy. What was their conversations like? What did they talk about? I like to imagine that these women together supported one another, walking alongside each other, just like, wow, I'm so glad for wow. After this, we lose track of Elizabeth um, after this fantastic birth of the forerunner. Um, John, who was born to be the announcer of Jesus's mission on earth. These are the last, this is the, in, in Luke one, we, we don't get any more about Elizabeth. But let's, let's consider her emphatic faith. She believed, she lived out her faith and God very eventually rewarded her and took away her embarrassment. She was so emphatic in her faith that God chose her for an incredibly special purpose. She was Mary's empathetic confidant and sister friend beyond being embarrassed of her own condition and of Mary's teenage pregnancy. Liz herself was a senior saint with a baby, which was a little awkward, empathetic to her young cousin who was an unwed pre 
pregnant teenager. Both women were godly, emphatic in their faith and empathetic beyond being embarrassed. Both were willing and blessed. I'm inspired by Elizabeth. I appreciate her supporting role in the events of the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's imagine ourselves in their sandals. Let's, let's ask God for the strength to emphatically live out what we believe. God's promises are still true. Please focus on our Lord Jesus Christ for the power and guidance to live out each day. Thanks to Elizabeth, we have another role model to take inspiration from and lead us right back to our Lord Jesus. WOW offers each of us that kind of support as well. How would we feel in their sandals? So um, during today, like in, in today's times, we have pandemic, we have politics, we have divisions. How does Elizabeth's experience in, inspire you today? And what can you do to, to develop uh, emphatic faith? And what can you do to practically assist in your community? We hope that you enjoyed this teaching. We are a community that walks alongside women to uncover and affirm their calling through prayer, teaching, and celebration. Visit womenofwonder.us to learn more.